Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is 1 Thessalonians 5. Unfortunately, there is a long and sad history of people trying to predict the return of Christ. It never goes well. And frankly, it shows a misunderstanding of the Bible and a misunderstanding of how God teaches us to use what he tells us about the end times and the return of Christ. Uh, The point of the Bible's teaching is not so you can figure out when it's going to happen. The point of the Bible's teaching is that you might be ready whenever it happens. We don't know when... uh, It's going to happen. I think the Bible teaches a sense of imminence about this, that that really the end times could begin at any time, and you as a Christian need to be ready. And that is what we're going to see here in 1 Thessalonians 5. He starts off the chapter by saying, Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And there when it's talking about the day of the Lord, uh, it's really speaking of judgment. And that's what follows. This judgment is going to come unexpectedly. The world is not going to be ready for it. They're going to be saying there's peace and security. Then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape, that that the world is going to be thinking everything is all right, and then they will meet the the judgment of God in the day of the Lord. I think we get a sense of what that judgment will look like when we get to the book of Revelation. But his point here is to the believers here in Thessalonica. Remember, this is a young church. This is a church that overall is doing well, and Paul is encouraging them. And he says, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us sleep. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us be awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. So here he's telling us that we need to be awake and we need to be sober. And here, I don't just think he's talking about being sober from alcohol, though the Bible clearly teaches we should not be drunk, but here it's speaking more of our attitudes, that we are awake, even there. This passage is not suggesting that you stop sleeping so that you're always ready for the return of Christ. No, but that you are awake morally, that you are alert, that you are sober, that you are not just getting caught up in the things of the world like the world is, but that you are staying awake. There is always a spiritual readiness at work in you. And what does that spiritual readiness look like? This is something I found very interesting in this chapter. What does it look like to belong to the day, to be awake, to be sober? Well, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Hmm. Uh, That sounds like the same things that this 
book started with at the beginning of 1 Thessalonians. And it seems like they're the same three things that we talked about at the beginning of the book of Colossians right before this. It comes back to, do you want to be ready? Then live a life of faith and love and hope. These are the things that Christians must never weary of. These are the things that Christians must practice on a day-by-day basis. We are to be people of faith. And that is brought up also in uh, Ephesians 6, the shield of faith. Uh, Because what will often get us to start going along with the world is a weakening of our faith. And I think that goes all the way back to Genesis 3. Uh, And the first sin and the first temptation, the serpent is basically tempting Eve with the idea, God's not being good to you, Eve. God's holding out on you, Eve. God doesn't have your best interests at heart, but the shield of faith helps us to extinguish those fiery darts because those are the same kinds of fiery darts that will be launched at you, right? They may not be specifically getting you to eat fruit off of a tree, but the things that tempt you to sin will be those same thoughts. God's holding out on you. God's not being good to you. And if you are going to stay awake and sober, you need here, not the shield of faith, but the breastplate of faith. And you also need love, something I hope this book has challenged you in, as he has now called the Thessalonians not to settle for where they are in their love for one another, but to love more and more. And finally, for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Another thing that any study of the end times should not result in for Christians is any kind of hysteria, any kind of fear. We have hope as we look towards the future and the end. Why? Well, verse 9, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Now there, the awake or asleep is not talking to about being morally awake or morally asleep. It's going back to chapter four, basically, whether you are alive or whether you are dead, uh, because we saw the dead in Christ will rise first at the rapture. And that is our hope. We look forward to the return of Christ because we will not experience the wrath of God. We look forward to salvation. His glorious appearing is our hope. And again, you see the result here of this eschatological discussion is that they would be encouraged. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So are you ready? Are you ready for the end? Are you ready for Christ to come back? Well, how do I check that? Are you walking in faith, in love, and in hope today? Are these the things that dominate you? And then we get to Paul wrapping up his letter and we see as is common for him, this rapid fire succession of uh, so many uh, different imperatives here at the end of uh, the chapter. Just a few things here I think are worth highlighting. Uh, One thing in verse 14, it says, and we urge you brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all all. So there you see, not everyone needs to be addressed the same way. 
Some people need to be admonished. That's more direct, uh, maybe even a little more firm. Some people need to be encouraged. Some people need to be helped, but we need patience with all of them. And so that's good for you to hear because some of you, maybe all you ever do is admonish and you need to learn. Sometimes you need to soften it up a bit. You need to be more intentional to come alongside someone and encourage someone. Maybe some of you, you're always very, very soft spoken. And there's times where you need to be more direct. Um, and that may be different for all of us, but then we see that one ingredient that we all need, no matter what the situation is patience. And I hope you get that sense as we read through the new Testament and are now almost done with uh, Paul's epistles to churches. We'll get to his epistles to pastors here soon, but as we're almost done with that, I hope you've noticed how often patience has come up. If you want to be a part of the church, you're going to need patience because you're in a group of sinners. So we need to see that. The the other part that I want us to notice is verses 16, 17, 18. These are important verses. Again, if we're thinking of this idea of always being ready, ready whenever the end comes, uh, whenever Christ returns, here's some things that we always should be doing. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. No, no matter how long it is until we die or until Christ returns, every day we should be rejoicing, we should be praying, and we should be giving thanks, no matter what the circumstance. Uh, we, we should always be doing these things and pray without ceasing. You might say, well, don't I have to sleep? Don't I have to go to work? Yes, you do. And I don't think this verse is saying uh, that you need to pray 24 hours a day, every day without stopping. No, even Jesus Christ did not do that. The idea here, though, is that prayer is to be an unceasing pattern of our lives. We should never neglect prayer. We should never stop praying as the practice of our lives. So these are some other application points. Are you rejoicing today? Are you praying today? Are you giving thanks today? These are just a few highlights of the many commands he gives here at the end of the passage. And let's close with these encouraging words that he gives to them. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Alley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.